Welcome back to the Recalibrate Podcast. I'm JC. And I'm Sasha. Join us each week as we have honest conversations to normalize the human experience and help you feel less alone. Yeah, you, that's right. It's a rough world out there. <laughs> we share different ways to connect with yourself and interview a heart guest guests to expand your belief of what's possible. We're the best friends you didn't know you needed. And we love you just the way you are. Without further ado, let's laugh, cry, ruminate, and explore all of the things that you think about but haven't heard said out loud. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. We are going to be talking about change today and navigating change because Sasha and I have been navigating a lot of change recently in the past couple of months. So we felt like this was an appropriate topic to talk about. And we're going to go into our personal experience with change, some of the psychology around why we feel certain emotions around change, and then some helpful tips that we've used to get through these life transitions and these changes. That'll hopefully be helpful to you. And we're navigating things. So we're right in the thick of it. We're with you if you're in this scenario too. Yeah. Thanks for introducing that concept. I think change management is huge. I mean, there's literally organizational theory about this. People make it their career to help people and organizations manage change. So that goes to say that change is not easy, right? It seems, oh, yeah, I'm just doing my life. And then this new thing comes up, whether it's a new divisional structure at your job or a new relationship or letting go of a relationship in your personal life. Change is difficult because it's uncertain. And us humans like to attach to a way of life that we know and a way of life that's comfortable. And so when change comes along, we need to effectively manage it within ourselves. And I think it was super timely because I actually sat in a three-day on-site this week. And one of the meetings that we had was dedicated to change management. And it was led by McKinsey. And so my brain being the brain that it is, it was like, cool, organizational development, but also personal. Like on a personal level, how can I take these learnings from what McKinsey is sharing about how organizations can better manage change to how I can better manage change? So We'll dive into that, but do you first want to talk about, JC, what change has looked like for you recently and how is your life changing at the moment? Yeah, I feel like I've honestly changed my whole life in the last three or four months. Obviously, a lot of aspects have stayed the same, but a lot of aspects have changed. And I'm someone that really likes change. I feel like a lot of people have been asking me, oh, are you anxious for these areas of your life that are changing? And to me, and I know this is probably a unique perspective, but I get really excited by change because I feel like it's a fresh start. And that whole idea of the fresh start effect and this permission almost to just exist and show up in whatever way is feeling really good to you right now. That's something that has made me feel so energized lately. But yeah, over the past couple of months, like I know we talked about this last episode too, but I have very much so taken a look at the relationships that are in my life and made sure that all of the people in my life are feeling really supportive and really energizing to me. I think I was spending time with people that were making me feel drained in the past or making me feel like I couldn't show up as the fullest version of myself. And that took a lot of energy from me and made me feel like I had, I don't know, it made me feel like it was impacting the relationship that I have with myself because I was kind of masking these different parts of me in order to show up for the people that I was around. So I think the first change that I navigated was really auditing my friendships and the people that I was spending time with and my relationships and seeing what needed to stay and what needed to go. And that created a huge shift in my energy and my support system. And then secondly, changing jobs. I've been at my job for the past three years 
And it's been a place that has provided a lot of opportunity for me to grow, a lot of opportunity for me to learn so many new things, to meet so many new people, and a lot of comfort. And I'm transitioning into a new role that it's completely new and it's a really exciting time, but also something that I was navigating was not knowing what was coming next and not having that same level of comfort that I was having in my old job. So I feel like that's what change has looked like for me recently. What about you? I think it's really interesting that you were undergoing the friendship audit because I don't think I necessarily knew it. I feel like it wasn't friendship as much so as like relationships, but yeah, um, or just even prioritizing like how much time I was spending with certain people like there's people that are in my life that I love but like maybe I spend a little bit less time with them and a little bit more time like reprioritizing how I spend my time that makes sense yeah and I think that's definitely something that I did a little while ago like I went through that of who am I spending my time with I think what was recently highlighted to me that even though I wasn't spending time with certain people the energetic ties were still there And there were instances where I would show up and I would see these people. And I realized that if I stop showing up to these events and these settings that don't really feel aligned with me, I probably won't see these people anymore. So I don't really see them outside of those settings. And so it was like, I'm already not spending time with these people. But for me, the change was coming with that energetically letting go of them of like, wow, I really might not see these people anymore. So I think that was a form of change for me because. It's not changing who I spend my time with, but it's kind of letting go of that in a new way and being okay with these might have been my friends for a season and they're not now. And even though I'm not spending time with them, the amount of time I'm spending with them really isn't changing. It's now that energetic back of your mind, let it go. So that was a change. I am starting a new role internally. I have moved out of my team and I moved on to a new team that is another change for me. I've been on this team before, but it's I have to learn brand new platforms, brand new systems. And it's really exciting. I'm a digital marketer turned data architect and I get to build our data architecture for our customer data platform. So I'm really excited about it. And then people coming in and out of my life. I don't know. And then every time you bring up Ryan, you have this face after. What is the face? Is it just like, I don't know what's going on? Yeah. You like bring up something and then you just stop and you're like, (laughs) what the, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. All right. Hi, everyone. Sasha popping in here. This is a added bonus snippet to the recording on change management, which you're currently listening to now. Honesty hours that sometimes I have the sense that I'm still holding back on what I'm saying in the podcast. I am kind of beating around the bush in a sense of like saying, oh, I was talking to someone or using things as an example without actually telling you what's going on. And my commitment to you is I want to give you more legit, messy details about what's happening because human life is messy and it's so easy to package it up and then give you the learnings while not actually sharing what happened to get to the learnings and what happened to get to the place of emotional processing that we often depict on the podcast. And so instead of saying, I stopped talking to someone I was talking to, I want to give you the messy details of I met a man online through a breathwork certification training by private Zoom DMing him and telling him I liked his tattoos. And then that setting off a one month extravaganza of us talking nonstop with hours and hours of voice memos. It was crazy. We had not met in person. 
until he actually flew up here to spend a weekend with me. It was the craziest social experiment ever. And so we spent the weekend together. It was amazing. And at the same time, there was all this human messiness of like, oh my gosh, we live in different places and we don't know what's coming after this and all these high hopes and expectations and wanting to be something to one another, but then also being scared and also having our own relationship and attachment wounding and all this messy yuck stuff. We can get into it. I have learned so much from this experience and I wouldn't trade it for the world. He's an incredible guy. I don't know where it's going. It's currently not anywhere at all. We're not talking because he had some horrible, horrible news come through for him that he needs to process and integrate. And I'm giving him space to be himself and to deal with this without the pressure of what are we, what is this, blah, 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 all that fun stuff. So I don't even know where it's going. But ultimately, I'm saying all this because. I think the best podcasts are the ones that are more unhinged and give you the messy human details. And for some reason, I'm nervous to say these things out loud and to tell you that I met a man on the internet and we were talking and he was here and now we're not talking. And But that's the fun stuff. That's the real stuff. That's the crazy, like, you're doing what now? And those kinds of experiences, those kind of moments where you put your whole heart on the line you meet someone, you develop a new human spark, you navigate this crazy topsy emotions of, is this real? Is this fake? Am I being love bombed by another Ryan? Like when I can actually bring you along that experience or at least tell you what happened to that experience and then connect it to the learnings that I have, that is so much more meaningful to you as an audience. And for me to show you that, no, these things just don't appear out of thin air. It is hard work. It is emotions. It is sitting with yourself and sitting with these things that are happening in your life to then come to the place of understanding and of acceptance and of peace and of seeing a better way. But boy, does it come with a lot of messy stuff in between. And so it's something I want to work on with you all. I'm going to work on giving you the real messy human details of it all because it's something that I feel that you are worthy of. And now back to the podcast. I don't know. I actually don't care. And I want to be honest on this podcast. So people coming in and out of my life, meaning I am currently single and I was talking to someone and it was going really well and then it didn't. And then now I'm not talking to them anymore. So it was like this period of being so immensely happy and so immensely excited and hopeful and navigating a lot of relationship work from a shadow perspective of what are my fears in relationship? How do I navigate that with this new person? How do I show up? him and how is he showing up for me and then also navigating oh when we talk less and the nature of this excitement changes how am I going to navigate backing myself and am I going to try to prove my worth to a person that I really like and had hope for so change on that front both in introducing a new potential partner and then also potentially letting them go and not talking to them in the same way and navigating my internal self-worth with that change on a lot of fronts, both friendships and relationships and professional and just the way I spend my time to my side projects. So working on additional side projects for breath work are going really well for me and entering a new potential revenue stream in this area. And it feels like there's a lot of change, both good and what is in the short term perceived as bad. 
But that's kind of all the things that I'm navigating. Yeah, that's interesting how you say like the short term we perceive it as bad because I was looking into the psychology behind change and there's literally a study that was done that said 90% of people see change as positive once they've gone through it and they're back on stable ground, even if during the moment they like viewed it as negative. So in hindsight, looking back and when they're able to assign how it plays a role in the broader scale of their life, they end up seeing the change as positive, even if in the moment it was negative. So that's really interesting. And I feel like that's been true for me in my personal experience. When I'm going through it, I'm like, oh, why is this happening? <laughs> I hate this. Or I don't understand why this is happening or feels uncomfortable. And then later down the line, when I feel more grounded and catch my footing and I'm able to piece the puzzle together, it makes so much more sense. Yeah. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And we never have foresight. Yeah. And we want to get to that place where we create the we wouldn't go back scenario. Like I wouldn't go right. back. For me, like you wouldn't my, change it. Yeah, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't trade another person's life for mine. I wouldn't trade this experience for mine. Even my worst relationship, the worst possible scenario that I have ever navigated as a young adult in the city, living alone and dealing with serious fear around what someone could want to do to me, like the, my most serious fears. I still wouldn't go back on that because that mm. situation taught me so much about myself, my self-worth, navigating that truly introduced me to a new way of living my life and made me reevaluate and stop compromising my self-worth in a brand new way. So even my most horrifying moments, I now wouldn't go back. And if I saw that person like in a safe capacity, I'd be like, thank you, which mm-hmm. is also challenging. And it's controversial, right? Because like the most difficult situations, you wouldn't wish abuse. You wouldn't wish fear and stalking and extortion on anyone. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But at the same time, I wouldn't take it back. And going off of that reframing change or understanding change is that it's always a opportunity to grow. And it doesn't make what happened to you or what's changing any more easy, any more difficult. If it is difficult, which for most humans it is, You can reframe it when you are ready because we so Mm. often equate change with loss. And while there might be loss associated, you can also add a dimension of how is this positioning me to grow? Yeah, I love that. And I think change almost always has an element of loss in a lot of different capacities, whether that be loss of stability, whether that be loss of a physical person in your life, whether that be loss of comfort. I know for me personally, something that has been really healing for me is finding that meaning of how the change or how the suffering has played a role in my broader life picture. For example, going through dealing with an eating disorder and after being in recovery, I think there was a huge period of time where I felt so much grief about time that was lost due to being so wrapped up in struggling with an eating disorder. And I couldn't get past that grieving stage of feeling like I wasted so much time, feeling like it was so damaging to my body and so damaging to different areas of my life. And I felt behind because I had spent so much time dealing with it. And once I was able to actually allow myself to mourn that past version of myself, have compassion for that person, and then also grieve the time that was lost because of that, 
I was able to take a step back and see how it played a bigger picture in the broader meaning of my life, which was incredibly healing. So I think when you're able to get to that point and you pass the mourning and grieving of whatever change or loss that you're experiencing, it plays an integral part to be able to integrate it back into your life in a way that you reclaim it. And it's not from a victim perspective. Thank you for sharing that. It's interesting to frame it as mourning and as grieving and as loss. And I wonder, can we see it as gain in the moment? Like when things are changing, I think with practice, perhaps, for example, you saw me navigate letting go of that person and I still really miss him. But at the same time, I see the gain in having this time for myself because a lot of the creative projects that I've been working on, I just wouldn't have space for if I was fully engaging Mm -hmm. in like a new potential relationship and navigating that I wouldn't have space for both. And so my creative pursuits, my professional pursuits, there is clearly gain. But do you think that with change, can we see the gain in the moment or can we try to? Mm -hmm. Or is that not creating enough space to process the loss? Or can it be a dual track simultaneous thing? And you know, this is really true for me because I feel like I'm handling things. I feel like I'm managing things. And then I'll just self-destruct and combust and cry (laughs) out of freaking work offsite. What do you, you know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think what's really prevalent, especially as like we're in our mid-20s, and obviously change happens at every point of your life, but I think in your mid-20s where we're both at is like this rapid period of change because we're constantly trying on new identities, shedding old skin, leaving old habits, taking on new habits. And there's a lot of trial and error that is occurring in like literally every aspect of our life, whether that be friendships, identity, job, relationships, where we live, how we spend our time. And this like state of being in constant transition provokes cognitive dissonance in a psychology sense. It gives you this sense of identity crisis almost because you're letting go of something, but you haven't quite found stable ground on the other side. And obviously that impacts you emotionally and leads you to kind of to be in this sense of instability or in between. And I think that's what's so hard about finding the positives or the joy in the stumble ground of it all as we kind of talk about because it is scary and it is uncertain and we don't know even if we've let go of a past situation we don't know what the new situation looks like so our brains find this uncertainty around it at a chemical level it affects how our prefrontal cortex is and our hippocampus actually sends these signals to our brain so It's really difficult. I think your automatic thought to answer your question like in the moment is going to be fear and scarcity and uncertainty. And it takes a lot of manual reprogramming to be like, okay, how can I look at this from a different perspective? Yeah. But then I start to think about when are we not changing? When are we not living in uncertainty? And instead of making stability and consistency the environment that you thrive in why can't we make uncertainty and continuous change an environment that we thrive in embrace ambiguity as a part of your culture and the way that you live your life like your internal culture or your external organizational culture do we have to just weather the storm and hunker down until shit gets better or can we just find a way to make peace with the ambiguity 
And rather than being reactive, okay, something's changed. How do I now integrate the change? Instead, can we embrace ongoing uncertainty, ongoing ambiguity with resiliency and almost adopt a beginner's mindset at all times? I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know what the next step looks like. And I don't know if this is the right move. And I just don't know that we should be seeking stability ever because will we get it? Is that the wrong way to be focusing our energy on like, how do I integrate this change and then find stable ground? Is it just how do I become okay with continuous change? I think that's the whole thing. There actually is never going to be stable ground. All of life is uncertain and it's kind of a fallacy that these things that we do on a routine basis provide stability. It's all just this false sense that we look to for comfort. So I think what you're saying is the answer, right? It's like training ourselves to be comfortable in uncertainty is what makes this process easier. And also from a psychology perspective, like change doesn't affect everyone in the same way. There are people that are really prone to feeling immensely uncomfortable through periods of change. People that have different thresholds to stress and people whose parents might have experienced poverty or abuse or had these beliefs that they put onto you that say change is scary, change is risky, change is something that you should fear. So that obviously is passing down and making your threshold to these situations a little bit different. Whereas there are people who seek out these periods of change. Like for me, when I was growing up, I was extremely anxious and change like, oh my God, I could not do any sort of change. Every new school year, I'd be like sick to my stomach thinking about, you know, a new schedule. I used to literally make my parents take me to my high school and I would walk through like how I was going to get to each class because I was nervous about navigating to my different classes because I like thought I was going to get lost. I would, before the first day of school, go in early and walk from class to like make sure I could get there on time and make sure I knew where everything was. And I did that in college before my first day of school. I went through my whole schedule and walked around campus as if it was the first day because I was so anxious about change. And now I'm in a period where I love change. I get so energized and excited by change because it feels like just such a fresh start. Like I love moving apartments. I love going to new places. I love starting new opportunities or new jobs or meeting new people because it feels so fresh to me. And I think I retrained my brain to view these periods of change instead of having this anxiety, like try to find ways to be excited about it and be like, oh, what possibilities does this open up for me? Instead of being like, what am I losing by trying something new? What I'm hearing you're saying is that you have reprogrammed your brain to view change differently. Yeah. In a positive light. What I wonder is, in my experience, I'm viewing change in a very similar way. I'm so excited about these new creative projects I'm doing. I'm so excited about my new role. I'm so excited to empower other teammates to take on the things that I had been doing that now create more space for other people to rise into this opportunity. I am so excited about the people that are super aligned in my life. I'm super excited about just having had that experience with that person, even though we are not currently talking. Like he expanded my belief of what's possible in a partner. Holy crap. Everything I've ever wanted is not too much to ask for. It's real. And I experienced it. And if this is not the person, I will find the one who is even more aligned. But it's possible. So I see all the benefits all of this beautifulness in this change. And yet I still have these moments that just hit me like a brick where I get overwhelmed and I'm like, holy shit. And so it's at the brain level, I so see the growth and I'm so excited. And I 
understand how this is all in service of my highest evolvement. But is my body not vibing with me? Like, is there a mind-body <laughs> disconnect? And my body's not integrating this. And then my nervous system's like, your entire life is so different right now. And you're like on a freaking, like you're on a fast track to all these things that you've wanted and all these opportunities to grow. And like, again, I see the benefit. I'm not going to sit here and be like, woe is me. I'm so sad. Is it my body not integrating the change while my mind is like, yeah, this is great? Or are these other things that are compounding and like this emotionality that I'm having is a symptom of something else in my environment? Because again, I could see the growth in it now. I'm amidst the change. I'm in the flurry. I'm in the snowstorm. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so happy to be here. Let's go. And at the same time, I have these moments where I just combust and I don't understand myself in those moments. I totally hear you. I feel like it's hard because rationally your brain understands the positive side, which is great. But then your body and getting your body to feel that way is completely different. And I think when there are so many changes in your life happening at once, it's helpful, at least for me, to have a stable foundation to fall back on because it feels overwhelming. Even if you're excited about it, which I know you're saying you are, it still is overwhelming. There are still points of overwhelm with so much change and your life looking different, especially when it's happening. So I think what has helped me is feeling really good about what I can control because a lot of things are out of my control. And then like building up almost this cushy like support for myself of, okay, all of this is changing, but what do I know always makes me feel good? Who is there to support me through this change? What can I go back to when things feel really overwhelming and out of control? And how can I really lean into that during these times and make sure I'm not bypassing the emotions as they come up? Because I think change brings up a lot of emotions. It activates a lot of different things in your body and brain. And it's definitely something that you have to step back and make sure that you are taking care of yourself in the midst of. I have been going with a lot of work stuff. I mean, I mentioned already the three-day on-site. And candidly, I didn't get home till 11 or 12.30, three nights in a row for work. And then had to get up and do it all over again. And, you know, you have to show up. So maybe just not taking time to slow down, even though I consciously know that the change is good, but creating space to process it, not just mental, but physical, energetic space to process it. Also, not rushing your own process to integrate the information, because what I've been noticing in myself is I will cry and I will have a day with myself. And then a few days later, if I need to cry again, I'm like, again, really? Come on. We did this. We did it. We did it. We're good. And it's like, I'm <laughs> letting myself have this space. But it's almost like, again, really? Come on. Keep it together. You know, it's not like I mean, it's not angry. It's not, oh my gosh, you should be better by now. But it's like when you're taking your dog on a walk and you're wishing the dog would just go a little bit faster. <laughs> you're like, come on. Come on. Okay. You smelled these flowers yesterday. We're good. We're good. You can keep walking because you just want to get to the coffee shop or wherever you want to go. The dog's just taking a little too long to smell like flowers. Like I just feel like with my emotions, I'm like, okay, you're good. Right. And then it's like, no. And I'm like, what? That also brings us into the McKinsey lecture because they let us know that change was most unsuccessful in organizations that didn't apply a softer side to the change management policies. And what this means is that you need to reward people 
for undergoing the change. You can't just be like, we're going to do this thing and it's going to be amazing. And here are all the structures and here are all the things you need to do. Like you can't just challenge people to change and grow and be like, this change is great for your growth and here's why we're doing it. Do it. You also need to support them and reinforce and celebrate the fact that these people underwent this transformation because the outcome of any successful change management program is fully integrating the change. And what they brought up here is that there are two different types of managers. There are the challenging managers and there's inspirational managers. The challenging managers will be the ones that are pushing change as a means of growth, pushing the organization to do more, to do better, to take it to that next level and to really come and fall in line with the new policies that are going to drive this growth of the organization through the changes, whether that's a new divisional structure or a merger or an acquisition or things like that. But there also has to be an inspirational manager that really highlights all the work that's been done, that highlights the successes, that highlights the people and the places and the things that went into making these changes a success and the integration of these changes a success. You want to change ultimately because you can be better. That's where the challenge comes in. But you have to inspire yourself in how you motivate and reward yourself being kind and being graceful for actually taking the time to challenge yourself to grow from the change. You have to celebrate the fact that you took that challenge. And so when I was applying it to myself from this lecture, I was thinking about internal family systems and parts work, which we have spoken about on a previous podcast, and we can link that down below. But internal family systems is a means of therapy where you create individual parts inside of you as parts of your psyche, parts of yourself. So you talk to them and it's such a productive form of therapy. But I reflected on this going, how can I be both a challenging manager and an inspirational manager? So how can I create a part for both and give those parts equal seats at the table when I'm navigating change? So for example, right now, my challenging manager is at the table. They're like, yeah, you stop talking to this guy <laughs> you like. Yeah, you're growing, girl. You know, you've got this. You didn't compromise your self-worth. Not one <laughs> bit in this situation. Go you. But then the inspirational manager is going to be like, oh, I got your back. That was probably really hard. And I'm really proud of you. You really liked him and you still chose not to compromise on your sense of self-worth. You noticed limiting patterns that you were starting to dive into. And look at how you handled that. Let's have a night in with yourself or let's go do a face mask or a facial or a massage. And let's just be with yourself because I'm proud of you for how you navigated that. And the challenging manager could be like, heck yeah, new job. Let's go. So happy. Not my monkeys, not my circus on the old stuff. Like, absolutely. But the inspirational manager could also come in and say, hey, do you want to take some time off in between your roles to reset <laughs> and take some time for you? You've done so much in your past role. Let's look at how much you achieved. Not think about all the things that you wish you could have done, but you didn't have the resources or time for and just celebrate how much you did with how little you had, and then move in with a fresh, clean slate. I think my inspirational manager doesn't necessarily have the seat at the table that he, she should. And so I was thinking about change and thinking about how the empowerment starts within me, but also the intentionality and the kindness and the recognition also has to come from me when I navigate things like this. 
I love that you brought in the internal family systems part of it because I think that plays a huge role in understanding like this internal conflict that we might have of how we feel when change comes up because yeah like you said there's parts of you that are so excited for change and are so ready for something new but also there's parts of you that are so scared and there's parts of you that are feeling like not useful about it or feeling stressed about it and those parts exist at the same time so you kind of have to feel like okay how do I manage me as one full person when I'm having these conflicting feelings and how do I hold space for all of those things to exist at the same time which can be incredibly difficult and I think also causes a lot of confusion if you're not familiar with internal family systems because you're just like why do I feel this these two opposing feelings but once you start to tap into that type of work it's been my favorite type of therapy that I've ever done because it's allowed me to just understand myself at such a deeper level and be like it makes sense that both of these things exist at the same time I like recently learned that DBT dialect behavioral therapy literally means having things exist at the same times and understanding the belief that two things can be true at the same time and that you can feel these emotions and the whole point of that type of therapy is like learning how to hold space for these opposing feelings which I never knew I thought was very interesting my therapist told me recently (laughs) but I completely get what you're saying of having those opposing feelings I think that change and struggle challenge the way that you view the world and they open your mind up to ideating different solutions and thinking about getting really creative of like how you solve problems and how you approach different scenarios and like really challenge you to root yourself in your foundational relationship with yourself. And at least for me, I feel like every time I get through change, I think in the past, to your point, I used to just be like, okay, on to the next, no stop for celebration, no stop for a little pat on the back. I would just kind of keep going to the next thing. But more recently, I've really been trying to be cognizant of basking in this feeling of pride and this feeling of celebration for myself to be like, hell yeah, you got that new job. I'm so proud of you for the work that you put in. I'm so proud of you for how you navigated that change. I'm so proud of you for how you showed up for yourself and how you stood in your truth and stood in your foundation and getting a little treat. Or I don't know, my friends joke around in a small sense, like when they go get a shot at doctors or if they have a doctor's appointment, they always get a treat after. They'll go get a coffee or pastry or whatever, ice cream, because they're like, I need to celebrate. And that's obviously a very small scale, but on a bigger scale too, like taking time like today was my last day at my job taking time to like really celebrate that and do things that I'm like wow let me just sit in this acknowledgement before I just like rush on to the next thing so yeah I love that you brought that up I love how you brought in relating to yourself and to pull it back to internal family systems I think internal family systems really allows you to relate to yourself to generate the experience that you want And I also really love that you talked about change shapes your worldview and you have to solidify your internal experience and root true into yourself because ultimately the absolute truth of the way you live your life, the perspectives you have, the things that you do does not matter. What matters is how your perspective shapes your experience. If something in your life is shaping your experience in a negative or positive way, the actual belief system you have doesn't matter. What matters is the result that having that perspective or that job or whatever you're doing creates for you. So if you find an attachment to your internal experience, like an attachment to how you're feeling inside, how you navigate the world, how you feel about yourself, 
if you become attached to that, your internal state of being, you can be agile and adopt new ways of being in your life around you. You can adopt the change with more agility because you realize that it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter what tools, what perspectives, what jobs, what relationships you have, because if your internal outcome is solid and the things that you're doing in your life support your internal outcome, it doesn't matter what they are and it doesn't matter what goes or leaves. And so internal family systems allows you to learn how to relate to yourself to generate that experience. Most of your parts are like operating on an island and they don't have much of an awareness <laughs> of the other parts within you. So when you become triggered by an emotion, it's usually one part taking on your entire worldview. Your worldview becomes the perspective of that part that's currently incredibly invested in keeping you alive. Oh shit, change, or I'm so worried about this new job, or I'm so worried about losing this person that I really like. That part is really nervous and wants to keep you alive. And that part loses its awareness of the tribe because it becomes all-consuming. And so internal family perspective gets you to relate to that part with loving kindness, awareness, understanding, and again, the ability to step back and be like, this is one part of the whole. There's a few archetypes that are like really helpful, like a loving grandma. Loving grandma <laughs> is going to look at the child that's panicking about having to give up his sandcastle toys and give them to his sister. <laughs> and loving grandma is like, oh, that's so cute. It's so cute to see him get so attached to the sandcastle. You know, you need to bring your loving grandma into the internal family system. Like, oh, that's so cute that she's getting so attached to this job, this person. Like, she's going to find another person. I know it. But, like, she's so in this <laughs> world right now. Just got to bring, like, wise loving grandma energy to relate to the party that's freaking out or not I freaking feel, out. Or <laughs> I feel like grandma energy, too. Like, they just have unwavering, almost like there's no backing to the support that they give. Like, they always are like, yes, queen, go off. Even when you're totally wrong. Like, you are not in the right in this situation at all. And they're like, no, that was all you, baby. Like, you got it. And they just have this unwavering love and support. And sometimes you just need that for yourself. I've never thought of the grandma archetype in internal family systems. I love that you just brought that up. <laughs> Wait, I have never done that to myself. You crush a baby girl. Like, it doesn't matter <laughs> if you're wrong. I've actually never said that to myself. And I'm like, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> I think we need to start saying that. This is your delusional era. All I've seen on TikTok is like being delusional is the key. And they're like being Delulu is the Salulu. Like we are just too introspective and too self-aware. And you want to know my flaws? I could list them off for you. I know my flaws inside and out. We're grown up in a way where we're so critical and hyper aware of the things that we do wrong. But sometimes you just need to give yourself this just unwavering support and permission and grace. And I think we need to be in our grandma era. I love that. Our delusional grandma era. <laughs> I'm adding her to my internal family systems. It's like a video game. Also, I love it. Yeah, I, yeah. I use AI to visualize my internal I was just going to bring this up. So I told my therapist that you do this and she thought it was so cool because that's funny that you said that. I was just going to bring up the fact that Sasha does these AI generations to kind of visualize what her different parts look like, which is funny. I think you're way more visual than I am. I don't have a visualization of what my internal family system looks like, but I want to try to create one. That's what I was talking about in therapy because I think it would be so helpful to like really bring it to life. I think that's so cool that you did that. I love that. Oh, thank you. No, I'm obsessed with that. I think they've changed though in a little bit. What software did you use? 
I downloaded some random app. I can also try to link it, but I just got a random app and you like type in a description of the person. So mine was like ice cold queen with big eyes looking sad, blood running down. You're like raging bitch energy with blonde hair. <laughs> raging bitch with icy blonde hair and no soul. <laughs> sad, lonely child in the woods. Yeah, everybody's like, what is going on inside her head? I think here's another thing I'm really playing around with. In the midst of all this change, like you said, we get so introspective and we try to figure out how we want to grow. Yes. Okay. Framework really quickly because this is just my default. Framework with change. Three steps you want to ask yourself. What new thing are we doing? So number one, what new thing are you doing? Number two, what new habit or skills are you learning as a result? What is, what's a new habit? What's a new skill? What's a new dynamic you're learning? And three, how can that be put to good use? Hmm. How can you put this new skill to good use? So that's three ways to make change purposeful. I love that. Now throw that shit out the window, right? And if you are constantly <laughs> analyzing everything in your life, you're probably going to be miserable. I'm out here looking at all the things happening in my life going, how is the universe testing me? And where am I playing it small? And where am I falling from grace? Every single night I go home and I'm like, oh, where did I fall from grace and not stay in line with my virtues and my values and my phone background? My entire background is a long ass manifesto of every single way I want to show up of all the things I want to do, the energy I'm trying to change. I'm really working on my lack mentality right now. So like lack shows up for you like X, Y, Z. Here's what to do if any of these things show up. And then I have bracelets that also have my values on them. Listen and grace and <laughs> virtue and time. So everything in my life is almost like a it's just, it's so loud. It's so loud. It's exhausting. Yes, integrate the change and reflect on it. But sometimes you just need to be because if you keep thinking you're going to spiral and I'm spiraling, I'm currently spiraling. You were here with it together. But I think the whole point is that sometimes the most impactful way to integrate the change is not to think about what happened not to get attached to the way that the change is happening, whether or not it should be happening. This is happening. And you don't need to spend time debating whether or not change should happen when it's already in flight. It's happening. You don't need to debate it. So don't look at the past. Don't be like, should I have picked another job? Like you pick this one to so chill. And then <laughs> in the future, what is this going to look like? What am I going to do? You don't need to, you won't know. You won't be able to guess. There's no way to guess. How can you just live in the moment and be with yourself? Because if you really tune into what can I do from my heart right now and not from my head and just try to wipe the slate blank and just take it one baby step at a time and make decisions from your heart, you're probably going to feel a lot more sane at the end of the day. When I get there, I'll let you know how it feels. I was going to say message to Sasha from Sasha XOXOXO. My background right now for context is a picture that says, honestly, fuck it and do whatever makes you feel like you and a little person laying in the grass and someone swimming. <laughs> and that's the difference between where our heads are at right now. Mine is like everybody that you meet wants to actualize their potential. How do you help them get there? You help them raise the realization <laughs> of the room. Time, patience, trust, surrender, oh abundance of time, energy, money. Lack shows up for you like being late and Girl. not engaging. Here are the elevated emotions that you want to come up with. You want to come up with love and luck, joy and healing, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Jesus. I'm making you a new background. I love to make little collage backgrounds. And mine says, life is a miracle. And that's so fun. 
and I'm going to make you one because yours is stressing me out. And I like, I love that about myself. Like, I love that I want to self-improve. And I think that's something people celebrate about me. They're like, dude, you are one of the people that is so dedicated to self-improvement and to not being held back by your limiting belief systems. But even with that, there are phases, right? August was a month of a lot of shadow work for me. I uncovered some heavy shit specifically related to like my father and relationships and so much stuff. And it's not just one of those things where you're like, oop, uncovered a limiting child <laughs> belief about my father leaving me when I was little and love needing to be hard <laughs> and moving on to the next big download. It's like, no, you got to take time with that. So if August is a month where you do a lot of inner work, maybe September you take a break to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Like you have to enjoy the person that you're becoming. And again, yeah, from to Sasha, from Sasha, XOXO, because I'm so focused on who I'm becoming that I lost sight of who I am now because mm -hmm. of all the work that I've done. And I'm just constantly like, where did I fall from grace? And how can I keep my virtue? I'm motivated, I swear. <laughs> I think the universe yeah. is teaching me how to be, if anything, right now, not mm -hmm. how to keep my damn virtue. Yeah, I agree. I know we have to wrap up. So rapid fire, let's go through ways that are helpful for us that we've experienced to either ease or embrace change. Want to start? Mm -hmm. We'll just do like quick things that have helped us. Yeah. You want to go first? Okay, sure. For me, some things that I was thinking about that have helped me with change is being organized. I always love to make lists and I've always been a planner, girly, color coding, getting all my shit in order, cleaning out my closet. My roommate likes to joke around whenever I'm cleaning everything out of my closet or reorganizing my drawers. She's like, what's wrong, DC? Are you, are you doing okay? Because every time my life feels spiraling, I just feel very comforted by cleaning my physical environment in a lot of ways. It truly makes me feel so much better. One of my other biggest tips is just going back to your foundation and leaning into those things that are feeling stable. So I'd say those are my two takeaways for embracing change. What about you? Frame your change. Frame what you're grappling with in terms of growth. You're in a position to grow. That's one. That's always going to be one because it's a way that's been very supportive to me and it's also not working right now the best. It's mm. making me go a little crazy, okay. but it is important. It's important. It's still part of my values. And the yeah. second part is be really present. Take it day by day as much as you can. Once you've spent the time in your head to figure out how this helps you grow, get out of your head and get into your heart and start doing things that feel good. Take it one baby step at a time and release any pressure or expectations that you have on yourself and be that inspirational manager that rewards yourself for how far you've come and lets yourself be in the moment of the life that you've created, even in the midst of change and uncertainty, having that beginner's mindset and having that inspirational manager mindset. I love that. That was beautiful. Thank you all for listening, and thank you all for holding space for my therapy session today. <laughs> this is therapy. <laughs> Our recalibrate therapy edition. We love it. Yeah. Honestly, podcasting is always so therapeutic, at least for me. I think it just feels so cathartic to be able to process verbally. It always makes me feel better after. So hopefully it helped you as well. Yeah, no, it did. Thank you. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll link everything we talked about down below and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.